Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jimmy Gasparro, and I have two guests with me today that I'm very excited to talk about, who I've actually met, uh, I think, in person once at Baltimore Comic Con. So um, I uh, am excited to welcome to the uh, the podcast Bob France and Kevin Cuff. Uh, uh, Bob and uh, Kevin are the writers of series like Metal Shark Bro, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about, but they have a brand new comic book coming out through Mad Cave Studios called Skeeters. It's going to be out December 6th. Art by Kelly Williams and uh, edited and lettered by Chaz Pangburn. And we all know if you've listened to this podcast, I'm a huge fan of Mad Cave stuff. And I'm so excited to talk to Bob and Kevin because I'm also a big fan of Metal Shark Bro. So this is like the the, the perfect uh, combination of all the comic stuff that I personally like. And uh, yeah, so Bob, Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks, Jimmy. And oh, I, I also I forgot to mention that you also have a, a podcast of your of your own. You two are the the Word Bros, and I think last I checked, what do you have like one hundred and seventy six episodes? Yeah, we haven't had any since June. Um, we've kind of taken a step back from podcasting because, as you know, Jimmy, podcasting can be kind of feast or famine. Sometimes it's real good, and you get on nice runs, and sometimes it's hard to get guests, and sometimes it's hard to line up schedules. So we just kind of took a step back from podcasting. We'll get back to it eventually because um, I enjoy doing Word Bros. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy hanging out with Kevin and talking to comic people. So it's cool. Yeah, I really enjoy it. So if if, uh, if folks aren't familiar with it who are listening and want another comics interview podcast who is is much better than myself doing this no, <laughs> go to word bros and 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 dive into all of their episodes because they have have you guys have had some fantastic guests so far it's a uh, the word bros dot substack dot com it's kind of like a podcast and a newsletter and it uh we've been doing it on substack for about two years you've had some really great guests some really fun times um, it's a good little, it's a good little website and you can kind of keep up with the stuff that we're doing. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if, if between two ferns had a baby with a comic spawn cat, that's what, that's what we're doing. So, I mean, we're just gonna ask, we're going to ask some weird questions and follow whatever line of questioning that goes down. We're going to just say, okay, well, you said this made you make this comic. So we're, we're going to end up at some other weird destination that you won't find another podcast. So we have a great time doing that. Yeah, it's awesome. I've really enjoyed a lot of your episodes. Um, because not 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 only am I a fan, I'm also a subscriber. Whoa, uh, <laughs> that's awesome, Jimmy. We appreciate that. Well, that's um, well part of the reason why we wanted to kind of grow our Substack was so we could get off of Twitter and all that other shit. Because it's nice to have to be in control of your own kind of destiny, as opposed as we were talking earlier. Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, or any kind of social media changes their algorithms or their, you know, who gets to see what? Are you going to pay for this? So it's it's nice to kind of have control of your own density and kind of do the things that you want to do and, you know, make the things that you want to make and be kind of in control. And that's kind of, that's the cool part of indie comics. And that's the cool part of Skeeters with this book that we did through Mad Cave. Like, you know, we had this idea um, that was originally we wrote for uh, an anthology. It was a short. We wrote Kevin wrote this really fun, like thirteen page anthology script um, that we really enjoyed, and we kind of showed around to people. And Chaz, our Metal Shark Bro editor, was like, "I'd like to see some more of this." So we just kind of slowly but surely expanded this very. Th- Thin premise (laughs) (laughs) into four issues. Yeah. Just kept going and going and going and like trying to make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And I mean, I think we turned out something really fun and really wonderful. Yeah. I'd I'd have to agree. Um, I'm a big fan of those types of creature features and I haven't watched one in a while. Um, I know that I think it was, it was, it's mentioned, I think in, in previews about uh, arachnophobia and slither 
And I, I don't think I've ever seen Slither, but I'm a huge fan of arachnophobia. And especially from like the 70s and 80s, there was like a huge run of just about any type of creature you you could think of either overran a town or caused some type of like problem. And I, I, I went through a run, I think, when I was uh, like 14 or 15, where I just like, like watched as many as I possibly could. And I loved how Skeeters really felt like it captured that. Um, like it kind of got that formula. And I felt like I hadn't seen that in a comic in a while that, or really if ever the kind of captured that like late seventies, eighties creature free feature vibe. Um, so perfectly as Skeeters did. Thank you. I mean, we appreciate that, and we can take it back further than that because we're we're Bob, when Bob was just talking about how we came up with the uh, like the the premise for the it was for a kaiju anthology, and we were like, well, everybody's going to be doing you know giant monsters like Kong or Godzilla or whatever. Let's do something weird. Like let's we we were talking about movies we loved, and we both loved them. The old movie with the ants, uh, the radioactive yeah. ants, and uh, yeah. like. That movie is so corny, but it's it's so good. And used to like I used to see it all the time on Thanksgiving when I was a kid. So we were talking about that. What an and, odd Thanksgiving movie to watch. Like just the giant <laughs> it'd be like Mighty Joe Young and then them. And I'd be like, yeah. okay, I'm here, I'm here already. Why not stay for the ants? You know. So um, <laughs> and we were talking about that and we wanted to do like that kind of thing with it. But then as it evolved, it became more like what you're talking about, more like um it, it like something you would see in a video store in in the 80s. So if you went into a video store and like I'm just trying to rent a, a like a corny horror movie for tonight with my buddies, like you rent you would rent Skeeters. So that's what we tried to do to, with the comic. Was like, okay, this would be something you rented from the video store in the 80s. Yeah. I and just the title of it too. It just sounds like you could see that on a VHS box. Like I I I'm shocked that it's like, oh, this is just, you know, we, we've just taken something and we've now done a comic adaptation of something that existed because no, like, I mean, we, we, did, we did a lot of research and tried to find, cause it does, it seems so obvious, but it's weirdly not. And yeah. it's, we, we wanted to kind of hit some beats and some familiarities. And I think we really did a good job. Um, Chaz said after reading the first issue, like it felt like a Stephen King novel like the way we kind of build this small town and you meet the little interesting characters that you're going to see. And like, we, we tried to flesh them out as, as real as possible. Cause like we didn't want to make them all one note, but at the same time too, it's kind of hard because when you watch a film like that, so many of those characters are just one note characters. They're just like, there's your stoner guy. There's your, you know, there's your cute chick. There's your, you know what I mean? There's the jock. So right. you kind of have to have those um, those kind of archetypes. So we kind of played with that a little bit, but we needed like we needed something more like we needed something kind of kind of more. We got these giant we got these giant mosquitoes that have invaded this town. But what are they? And so it was like, well, you know, do we want to go the radioactive route? Because that's the most obvious when you're talking about. You know, because that's all the films. I think them and like the Mantis and all those movies. It's like they just get into radioactive from yeah. the eighties. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just a radioactive thing, and boom. But we wanted like let's. What if there was like a science station in this small town? Because it's kind of built. The small town that we created is kind of built around some towns in Virginia. There's a NASA base in Virginia, like right outside of Langley, right, Kevin? It's Langley. The the of Pocosin. Yeah. Which is a small, so, it's a small fishing town. So. Yeah. And like, there's this, there's this NASA facility, like right outside of this small town in like rural Virginia. And we're like, well, what if we kind of played with that idea that there's this small science station and they're doing research? And what if it's like an alien? And so like Kevin and I, much like with Metal Shark Bro, we just kept kind of upping the ante. So it turned into like, well, what if we did this? Ooh, what if we did that? Well, we've got to have something something cool to so we can have some like mass chaos. There needs to be like one big event. So we we cooked up this idea of this seafood festival. So you know where we're going because you can see right. it in the first page. Like on the first page, it says, you know, the, what's the name of the town? Kinkakee. How do you pronounce Kankakee. it? Kankakee. Kankakee. 
you know, Kankakee, home of the seafood festival. So it's like right. when you read, you know, okay, well, eventually I'm going to see some havoc at a seafood festival. So, yeah. and, we, and we just kept kind of building and building and building from there. And it, right. it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. Like it's a really fun read. Yeah, it was, a, it's a lot of fun. And I think, especially in terms of like trying to capture the characters so that they aren't one note and Kelly Williams artwork does a, a, a you know, uh, quite a bit of the work here with Sheriff McCord and uh, with the two exterminators. One is Luis and the other's name is escaping me. But when JJ. we kind of meet JJ, when we kind of uh, meet both of them uh, in their little moments and their little scenes, and there's, there really is a lot um, in terms of the, like the, I guess with a formula for this type of, for this type of thing, but there's a lot in the characters that kind of differentiate them. We are like, Oh, I've, I kind of seen this thing before in terms of the creature and the small town a little bit, but I've never seen like this character in it, or I've never seen these two characters in it. And I really uh, like, like that. And I, it kind of endeared those characters to me like very quickly that I felt they felt modern and they felt real and they didn't feel one note. Well, we wanted, uh, you know, Luis and JJ, they are exterminators because it just made sense. Right. Like it just makes sense if you're dealing with something like this. Right. Exterminators, of course. Um, and we wanted Luis to be like kind of like a stoner conspiracy guy, but not like a QAnon dude. We, I think we even mentioned that like in the first issue. It's like because conspiracy theories have gone really like it's gone in a dark and creepy way. Like I remember when conspiracy theorists were all like Art Bell type, like flat earth or lizard people kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Like that more yeah. like, ha ha ha, you know, there's a face of a guy on the moon kind of shit. You know what I mean? So yeah, we did. Right. We wanted more uh, George Nori coast to coast than um, QAnon. Oh, okay. Post post to post. <laughs> yeah, that's the way we were going. And like I said, I think we even mentioned that like in the first, like I'm not yeah. that. I'm not yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Luis. Luis says he's like, I'm not that kind of conspiracy theorist. He goes, I'm old school. And he's, you know, because he talks about cryptozoology and I think yeah. vampires and that type of stuff. But it, I, it, 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 I knew I exactly that the, what was meant, though, by that line. Yeah. You know, I kind of knew. I was like, oh, OK, I, 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 I get it. The old AM Coast to Coast vibe. Like, I don't know if you ever listen to AM Coast to Coast, but there's this really great radio show that's on Coast to Coast starting at like 1 a.m. Eastern time. And it's just like old school kind of conspiracy theory weirdos, like where they have people who go into haunted bill. And I'm doing air quotes, haunted buildings with a tape recorder and they pick up weird sounds and they listen to them and they go, if you listen to the sound, you can hear, you know, this was in a mental institution. And in this room, you know, this is where a mother, you know, Fuck you, Bob. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you listen, you can hear it, and they and they they play the tape, and you hear, Fuck you, babe. and it's like it's it's not it's not clear, but you want it to be. So it's kind of that vibe we were going, like a more playful yeah. vibe with it. And I think yeah. we did a really great job of nailing uh, Luis. He's a really fun character to write, and Kelly's just a genius. Like we've said it before, and we'll say it again. Like. We've been really lucky. We've been really blessed to work with some really talented artists. And as soon as Kelly jumped on board, he kind of had some ideas visually. He's like, well, you know, it's cool that these things are, you know, eating stuff and like drinking. The, but what if, and that's where it gets, and that's where you know you're good. That's where you know that the artist, your collaborator just isn't taking a paycheck. Like once they say, what if we did this? Because that means Kelly got invested really quick because he saw the potential in the idea and he really liked it. So he started kind of toying with the ideas of what the creatures look like. And like, well, what if they, I mean, if, if one of them, you know, eats a dog, then maybe it should become more canine-ish. So like, so as the book kind of moves in that direction, as we kind of ramp everything up, because that's what Chaz always was talking about. Like, you gotta, you gotta step it up. You gotta ramp it up. You gotta ramp it up. So as we progress further in the story, the creatures, the skeeters look more and more like different things. Uh, you know, like if it eats a horse, it'll look like a horse if it eats it. So mm -hmm. it kind of takes on these characteristics. So it's really fun kind of visually. And after a while, I can't speak for Kevin, but I felt bad for Kelly because then Kevin and I were just like, well, what else can these? 
Like, <laughs> like <laughs> what else could we make Kelly droll? So like we kept kind of, we kept kind of up in the ante too. So it really kind of was this beautiful marriage of, you know, kind of just silly thoughts and fun adventuring and, and just trying to, you know, take it to the next level. Well, what if we did this? What if we did that? Well, this guy needs to be more gooey. Like it's just, like the emails back and forth that we would send about it, like what it would look like. Kelly's like, well, I just want to put more goo on right. Like, all right, dude, goo away. <laughs> so a lot of it too was us just going like, uh, like we're fans of John Carpenter stuff. So like, how do we make, take John Carpenter stuff and make it as, stupid as we possibly can because like and it wasn't really like stupid i'm saying stupid in air quotes like what what's the wildest thing we can do with this like the thing was just people but then it had these crazy creatures running out of their necks and stuff so like yeah we don't want that what's the what's the thing that's like that but like still fun and, and like darkly humorous like what makes this still fun and funny like oh if they ate a cow like would that be that that's might be darkly humorous, you know, that kind of thing. So we kept on looking at where the, where the funny in, in that would be because we wanted to make a, a horror book, but we wanted to make a horror book the way we would make a horror book, not the way like somebody else would make a horror book. Well, it's cool too, because like, I, I, and I, I know I can say this as a, I guess I'm a horror writer now. I'm not really a big horror guy. I'm more of like a creature dude. Like, I like creature films. Uh, Godzilla is a creature film. Predator is a creature film. Aliens, these are creature films. They're, they have horror aspects to them, but I'm more of a creature guy myself. Um, and, and Kyle Starks and us, we had a conversation because Kyle recently transitioned from writing comedy uh, to horror. And he's like, it's the same beats. You just change the, the punchline as opposed to it being a joke. It's a terrible, bloody mess. It's yeah, scary, and yeah. Yeah, and that's what we were going like. And the horror, were, it's more of like a weird body horror kind of gory thing, but it it fits the story. Like everything works in kind of like a beautiful kind of perpetuity. Everything kind of comes together nicely. Like we managed to tell this beautiful little story about this small town and the sheriff who's bored out of her fucking mind. She hates right. her job. She's lived in this town her whole life and she just wants something exciting to happen. Well, the lights flicker. And something exciting happens at the, there's a power surge and they lose power at the facility up the street for a little bit and boom, something exciting happens. And her whole world changes in like an instant and how she kind of deals with that and like dealing with these creatures and these different people and trying to keep people safe during the seafood festival. And it just turns into a really fun book really fast. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, that's interesting talking about, uh, yeah, the conversation you had with Kyle Starks, because I, I kind of felt the same way. I recently read, um, uh, what's the most recent, I hate this place, which is yeah. kind of like, was definitely a horror book, but I, I feel like it still has that, you know, Kyle Starks element to it in terms of a lot of the humor, even if it's dark humor, you know, or that he has put into his books before, you know, and I felt the same way with this. Like I, I finished Skeeters number one and I just felt it was, like just it was it was such a a fun read and i really liked it um it, it, those aspects of it the the those comedy elements because i as i've said i'm a, a love love metal shark bro cuz it just feels like like one moment after another the the creative team was just trying to like outdo itself in terms of the outrageousness of metal shark bro and it it just works so well. Well, that's that's one of the things that Kevin and I have always kind of wanted to do with comics is, and that's I think when we're working best and when we're doing our best work is just go. Like the audience will tell you when it's too far. I used to say that about Metal Shark Bro all the time. Like if if you buy the initial premise, you're good. So like you can go as far as you want because you've already bought in because you read this book about this you see in the first five pages like what the fuck is this is this some shark guy who for satan right. like yeah like, why, is, why is he working for the devil what like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's, a, that's, the, that's the entry point and then anything if you buy that premise then we're golden because uh, everything else is easy for us to sell you at that point yeah, because right. like you we, we, there's a shark that ate a guy that became a shark guy and now he's crossing like stuff off of satan's list that's that might be hard for some people to buy into, but if the people that do buy into it seem to love the book because 
like then like the moon is our goal like we can go as far as we want to with as, as many stupid yeah. jokes as we can fit in because you're gonna buy into the fact that there's ninja nuns in this world because that's that's even more believable than a guy got eaten by a shark and now works for satan so like um we just tried to go as far as we could like okay we've got this we've got this let's have a secret you know let's have a secret bible that has dinosaurs in it let's let's make satan kind of like um like misunder he's a misunderstood guy he's not an evil guy like that kind of thing like that's what he he says i think about himself at one point and, and and the cool part so, with ski and when the cool part with skeeters is i feel like the entry point is so much more feasible yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> it's there's yeah. a small town sheriff who's bored with her life and at a there's a terrible accident at a science station and some creatures get out and wreak havoc like yeah that's totally feasible like that could indeed happen so it's right. uh, the entry point is so it's based so much more in like i don't want to say reality but i feel like the entry point is so much less fantastical that it's a lot easier to buy into and it's a horror book and people fucking love horror comics and writing a horror comic was a lot a lot of fun like i was surprised how much fun it was to write um, it was, it was weird writing. Some of it was difficult because like it had to stay logical. Like it had to keep like a train, like a, like a train of logic had to continue to happen. Well, if this happens and this, and this needs to happen because that's what would in my mind and in Kevin's mind, that's what would happen. So that made it a little right. bit more, te- the more tedious, right. As opposed to like something like metal shark, bro, which is like fucking balls to the walls. Like, let's just see what happens. So this had to be a little bit more meticulously planned. Uh, and that was uh, that was a different experience for us as writers. But I mean, with with Chaz as the editor, uh, kind of moving us in good directions, and with Kelly, who was just so wonderful to work with, and so just he was on board with everything we wanted to do. And like I said, there were things that we didn't even think of that he thought of that the script changed because of, like the whole idea of like, well. Why can't it look like a cow if it eats a cow? Okay, cool. So then we started building upon that and playing with some of that stuff. So there is kind of, there was just a really fun vibe. Like just Mm -hmm. with the, with the four of us just doing the book, it felt really fun. And working with Mad Cave has been like a joy. Like they are, they're so involved (laughs) and they're so supportive of what we're trying to do. And they believe in the book and they believe in us. And that's always nice too, to have that kind of, that kind of support from a publisher and their marketing team is great. Like we're really, you know, trying to get people to read this book because we want to do more books there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like well, we that's wanna... good to hear. I really, I really like a lot of Mad Cave stuff. So it's nice to hear the creators that work with yeah. them. I've, uh, like, I've, dude, I've interviewed it's... more than a few um, creators with Mad Cave and I've interviewed Mark London before as well. And uh, that was, it was really great. Like, I don't want to say it's a paradise, but I mean, it's pretty damn close. We're, we've been really right. happy. And, and funny enough, like I met Mark London three years ago at New York City Comic Con. This is, uh, we, I was walking around NYCC with a buddy of mine and I wanted to go over there and meet them because I was excited about some of the stuff they were doing. Like they had just put out like what uh, Jared's book, Dry Foot and some other stuff. Dry, and this yeah. Nottingham thing was real big. And I was like, dude, yep. I would love, to, I would love to get a book there. So I kind of wandered on over to the table and I was like, hey, uh, can I speak to like an editor? And one of the sales kids was like, yeah, yeah, hang on. So they brought Mark came over. He's like, hi, how you doing? I was like, hi, Mark. I'm Bob France. You know, I'm a writer. I would love to do something with your company. Like you guys have done a really lot of great books. And I'm really excited about what you're doing. And I would love to, to kind of, you know, talk about something. And he was like, well, we have a talent search that you could do. And I was like, no. So I, I had, cause I was walking around the con and I reached into my bag and I pulled out the two copies of metal shark bro. And I was like, this is what we do. I was like, this one's been nominated for a Ringo. And this one is, so yeah, I'm kind of a, you know, now he's like, Oh, well, this is, this is different. I was like, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, so <laughs> let's talk. And like, and that was a really great experience. Like, and we started emailing each other back and forth and like, it was, it was cool. And so, I mean, yeah. it was three years ago and now we have a book that's at NYCC. So it's like, it's, it's kind right. of fun. Like we, we won that one. It's nice to get a win every day with it in comics, you know? <laughs> and, and, and also like the, the, good, the other great thing about Mad Cave is like, we're not used to this, this thing that they were like, okay, we're going to send you guys an email. And these are the, like the shops you, that we, we, we normally go to. So we're going to be calling all these shops. And we're like, well, we had to call all the shops before like we'll just do it too and they're like guys are gonna call shops and we were like yeah hell yeah we'll call shops so that's what we did we've been calling shops asking them to pre-order the book because um 
Like nobody cares about your success as much as you and, and us as creators. We really yeah. love the book too. Yeah. So like the fact that they're helping us call shops was amazing to us. We're like, what you guys are going to call too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like they, they really believe in the product. They really believe in all their products. And like, it's just really nice to work for a company like that. It's just kind of just let's, let's go. Like, let's get in the van. Let's sell some comics. Let's make some stuff happen. It's a really great vibe over there. And we're really happy and we're really amped about this book and we want people to read it. It's in previews right now. What is it? October 20th. OCT 231. Yep. And then you can, it's also on Lunar. You can go to Mad Cave's website and pick it up there. Like, it's just, yeah, man, we're making this thing happen. It's going to be a really great, great book. And, you know, if, if you're listening to this mm-hmm. and you like horror stuff and you like monster stuff and you're into it, like, go to your shop and order this book, man. Let's make it happen, Captain. All right, fellow cryptids. Now seems like a good time for a break. I'm always looking for a way to display my comics, but unfortunately, I am not very handy or crafty, as it were. Luckily, I have come across Crafty Comics, and they have a way for you to display your comics, even uh, comic books that are already slabbed, if that's your kind of thing. I recently got a flex frame, which has customizable backings and interchangeable border colors. I was able to put in a frame a comic book. It's Batman Elmer Fudd, uh, number one, by Tom King and Lee Weeks. It's signed by both. It's one of my uh, favorite signed comics that I got at Baltimore Comic Con. And I was able to figure it all out. It looks great in the frame. And I can't wait to get it up on the wall. It was super easy. And I have a slew of comic books now. And uh, much to my wife's chagrin, I think I'm going to create a wall of some of my favorite signed comic books. Um, And Crafty Comics was super easy to use. And I like that you can have a different border color along the background to kind of go along with the theme of the cover art. And yeah, it was it's great. And uh, I absolutely love it. So check it out. It's Crafty Comics, C-R-A-F-T-I-C-O-M-I-C-S.com. Use the discount code YETI5 and get 5% off your order. And now, back to the Cryptid Creator Corner. The, because of the design of some of the of the, the, the Skeeters themselves, it reminded me a lot of um, just the, the mist, you know, the, uh, the Stephen King short yeah. that was turned into a movie that I think Frank Darabont directed. But I, w- I would describe it as the mist if, like, Joe Dante directed it. Uh, yeah, like that's kind funny. of like. But- <laughs> <laughs> there I, I feel like issue three, once they hit the seafood festival, does kind of have like a Gremlins vibe to it because it's just, <laughs> so, it's just all over the place, you know. Yeah. And like, I, but I, I love remember, Joe Dante, so I mean that as the highest of compliments. No, dude, I remember being a kid and watching Gremlins and being petrified, like so much so that I don't think I ever watched it again until last year when my sons wanted to watch it and we and they were making like, you were afraid of this. I was like, yes, this was terrifying. Like in, yeah. in the eighties when I was like five years old, this was awful. Right. And now it's yeah. just, it, it's beautiful. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful yep. film. Like it does kind of turn into gremlins in like the weirdest fun way. Yeah. I, I, um, I always, I, I'm a big fan of gremlins. I always loved it. Um, gremlins, gremlins two, two gremlins two is just a gremlins two is just, is I think a wild bonkers masterpiece. Um, but Gizmos was like the first voice that I ever like really worked on. Like I loved doing voices as a kid and like Gizmos was the first one I ever like really tried to get That's the couple you of do things it? he said. Can you do it now? Can uh, you do it? Uh, oh, um. Oh, Billy. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. That's great. Jimmy. That's awesome. That's very good. Wow. Like I, I thought I was going to have to like grin and bear your shitty mogwai person that was awesome I'm really impressed I was hoping it would be shitty but then he'd like then he like he did like evil could evil pulled off the stunt and jumped the Grand Canyon with fucking gizmo and Thank I was you. like alright in a Barbie car nonetheless like Barbie Corvette jumped the, jumped the Grand great job um, well I, I wanted to ask something you said Bob about your dynamic and writing like several different comics together and talk. And I think Bob, you said that like it had to change a little bit for Skeeters. Like 
what was the actual process like with the two of you? Like, did the actual like process of how you collaborate change in writing scripts? Not really. Um, Cause at first we had, like Kevin said, we had this, this 18 page short that we were kind of picking the bones of, but it, it was, was just 12 like, at first, but yeah. Bob was like, we need more pages. Cause like it ends too quick. Like the beats are all off. And that's something that we try and like, that's big for us when we, write together the story beat so the beats were off so bob like moved stuff around and added and like so the so the ending would make sense and it wouldn't feel so rushed but we, we at first we thought we only had 12 pages for this anthology so we were trying to like squeeze it all in um so but like, then we had the exact opposite problem because now we have <laughs> fucking 80, 88 pages like oh my god now we need 88 pages of this so we just kept kind of we just kept kind of expanding and expanding and like you know, Kevin and I would just kind of sit on the phone together and be like, well, let's do this. Let's do that. And just kind of write everything down. Cause we, we've always worked on an outline. What we'll do is we get together and we'll talk on the phone or we'll talk on zoom. And like, we write down, <coughs> we write down the beats. It doesn't matter how we really get to them, but we have to get to A, B, C, and D for the issue to be done. So that way I can start working on the issue and go, Hey, Kevin, I'm tapped out. I got nothing left. Like you're in. And Kevin knows exactly where we are and what we're doing and where we're going. So there's no surprises. Like we were working on something. Um, we're working on this script with um, a skeet with uh, a sketchbook Sketch. That's really fun. And we had the outline written and I got a wild hair one day and I was like, you know what? I want to do something totally different. And like I did for a second issue, I just did something totally different. And Kevin was like, this is not what we were doing. What are you doing? And I was like, I don't fucking know, man. I just wanted to do something different. And it didn't work because he had no idea where I was going. So we have, we have a map and we stick to the map. So that's what we did for Skeeters. We kind of plotted the whole thing out. At the end of it, we, we, we were really struggling with, well, how do we end this? Like, what's going to kill these things? Because go, like, how do we get rid of them? And Kevin thought of the most brilliant thing in the whole wide world. And so that's what we did. And, and we just kind of, after that, we were like, okay, well, this is where we're going. We, we thought of it together, Bob, just being humble. What, what no, ended up happening like, is. It was, it was your idea. And then like, but then it was a matter of like, okay, how do we. How, how do we make that work? How yeah. do we squeeze that brilliant nugget of an idea into this outline? And then I was like, oh, I got it. You know, they're at a science station. Why wouldn't someone be doing growing this at the science station oh that's awesome and so like so then we just kind of built it back from there so it's just it's just a collaborative process but again we have to have the outline because this that's the roadmap that we're working off of that means any of us can, can either kevin and i can just do it whenever we want to do it and we know exactly where it is we know? basically know like the start and the end before we even start the outline so like we know how we're going to end it and we know where it begins and then we right. talk out the middle parts and then put it down in like an outline document. So like if I know he hasn't gotten to like plot point B yet or whatever, then that's what we need to go to. Yeah. Or like if I haven't gotten there, then vice versa. He knows where he needs to go to. And we talk about the dialogue that they'll have. And that's one thing we go over a lot between the two of us is dialogue. Like, does it sound like people talking? Like this does sound like real people talking. So like that, that's the, that's the hardest part I would say, because sometimes we'll write dialogue and, and, Chaz will give us this note and it's his favorite note to give us. I know you got something better in you. That's the note we usually <laughs> get when, when we, when we're writing filler dialogue and we're like, okay, well I knew that wasn't going to stay. Or if we like it, we'll try and move it around or, or fix it to where it does sound like it's something someone would say uh -huh. where we're talking, we talk about it over the phone. Like, okay, well the, the line is this. Does it sound like something somebody would say? So. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, um, that's, I'm always fascinated, especially when like the collaborative process of comics itself, but especially with like co-writers, you know, how that that works, because uh, you, you hear different things like somebody writes to a certain point or somebody writes an issue. This other person takes the next issue or, you know, or writers that write together or talk it all out and then, you know, ex uh, share duties in terms of actually scripting. Um, Sometimes, I mean, it's scenes like it'll just be scenes. Yes. Like, I'll just go like, okay, I got a good idea for this scene. I want to do this part here. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And then I'll do that scene and <laughs> Kevin will come in and 
check the diet. Kevin's the first editor. Whoever writes the scene, the if Kevin writes the scene, I'm the first editor. I'll come right. in and change some stuff or like look around punctuation and shit like that. And but right. he's like Kevin was saying, make sure it sounds like real people talking and stuff. Yeah. And then I'll go on to the next scene and then Kevin will do the same thing. And it's just so we're constantly moving the the ball forward. Um, you know, and it works out really well. We've had a lot of success. I mean, doing it this way. I'd like to have some more success, but I mean, I'll take the success that we've had up to this point. Um, and again, that's why we want this book that's at Mad Cave to do well. We want Skeeters to do well because it's just and we can do more stuff there. We've got a lot of cool ideas. We got a lot of things that we want to do. So let's do it. You know? Yeah. I And I, I encourage everyone listening to, if you haven't yet, to definitely go and pick up Skeeters or get it from Mad Cave, put it on your pool list, whatever you have to do. I, I Because I, I had gotten Metal Shark Bro, I think, the first issue. And it was like in my to be red pile for a while. And then when I finally like cracked open like volume one, I like uh, I was annoyed that I waited so long to to read it. And uh, my brother and I read a lot of comics together. He, my brother, Bobby, who listeners of the show will know he's the Cryptic Creator Corner's number one most dedicated fan. He listens to all my episodes. But um, I, was, I told Bobby like right away, like, you got to read Metal Shark Pro. I need somebody to talk and laugh about it with. Um, it, I'm curious in terms of that like sense of humor, like where do you think that comes from? Like, where did you develop it? What did you like that you kind of, you know, what's, what's in your DNA when it term, when it comes to like what you find funny that you then put back on the page when you write? Oh, that's a really good question. I, there's so many things that I find funny. Uh, like I, I mean, cause I, 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 I love like Douglas Adams um, I'm a huge fan of like absurdist humor. Um, yeah. I'm a big hitchhiker's yeah. guide fan. No. Yeah. I love hitchhiker's guide so much, but I mean, but then, you know, I'm also kind of like a more subtle dry humor kind of guy. Like I just like, I don't know. There's so much that I find amusing. Like I just try to find amusing things in my daily life. But as by like Mel Brooks, like I'm a huge Mel Brooks fan growing up. Like I love Mel. I remember, <coughs> I remember the first time I saw, um, like space balls as a kid, I was like, this is the fucking greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then yeah. at the same, yeah, and just kind of, I, I don't know, man, there's just so much like, what if Kevin help me out here? We, we tried to, what is like, it you, Kevin? This is all Porky's and Benny Hill. <laughs> um, this is funny a, enough that you mentioned Benny Hill. That's pretty funny. There's um, a place for that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Is, like I don't think that we do that necessarily. My dad used to watch Benny Hill when I was growing up, and I never got. I was like people chasing each other in their underwear. Yeah, I was like, I don't get yeah. this. It's not. What's so funny about this? But um, I, I would say we tried to come from a place of like a Cohen Brothers kind of funny meets like a Mel Brooks kind of funny, and like that. Okay. I think that's where we live in in like comedy, like a like a Raising Arizona meets Spaceballs, you know, like that kind of thing because we want it to be we want to have jokes in there that are like good like kind of i don't want to say highbrow but not but but higher brow jokes and then we want to have a joke in there that's a dick joke because why not and like that's right, just how we right. go about and if and, and like i think a, a british lady actually said she read it and she liked it but she felt like the jokes were assaulting her and i was like well <laughs> we don't know what you're gonna laugh at so as as comedy writers yeah. when we're writing something on a page we're just throwing a joke in like almost every panel because like, here's the joke. Here's the payoff next panel, next joke, because right. we're not sure like what is going to make you laugh when you're reading the book. So we're hoping all of it, but we know some of them are going to miss. Yeah, so, like, yeah. Some people, some people aren't into puns. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. some people don't like puns. Metal shark bro is filled with puns. Um, Metal shark bro is, I don't know, man. Like there's just, there's so much in there that it just gets to the point where it's like, I don't even remember all the jokes, but it's just, they could like Kevin was saying, they come from, they always come from a place of, of love and respect. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of punching down. We don't punch down. I, with jokes, yeah. I don't want to punch down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I want, I want to do like Kevin said, I want to, I want to do highbrow and lowbrow and everything in between. So it's just, I, I don't know. Dude, I love everything. Like I love Larry David. I think Larry David's a genius. Um, I love, I love Mel Brooks. I love Groucho Marx. I love the three stooges, and, you know, 
and we were really lucky with that kind of thing because he's saying like Groucho Marks and Three Stooges because we got to work with Walter and Walter even like threw visual gags in there. So there'll be there's a there's an Easter egg page if you go back and look at Middle Shark Bro where I think he's in the belly of something and there's like if you look through the background of what's there you'll see all kinds of cool stuff from like childhood like a proton pack but we can't say it's a proton pack but I mean right. if you look back there you'll see all kinds of stuff back there that hints towards it's other an unlicensed new an unlicensed yes. nuclear accelerator. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. I, I always, I always equated, I always equated Metal Shark Bro to Bugs Bunny in the sense that, like, Bugs Bunny could show up in any situation. He could show up in the Old West. He could show up in medieval times. He could show up in a bullfighting ring. He could show up in a baseball stadium. Like, Bugs Bunny can show up anywhere, and it works. Like, I think Metal Shark Bro has that quality where you can kind of put him anywhere and just be like, okay, cool. Like, wacky stuff is gonna. So you just mm-hmm. kind of go from there, you know. Um, we also yeah. just went off of things that we love, like um, David. I love David Lynch, so like I'm like there has to be a diner in there somewhere because every David Lynch movie has a diner. So yeah. it's like like so we find a way that we found a way to fit that in, and um, you know, like Ira, the, the just the conversation about Ira was like like well he needs somebody to talk to because we had like him by himself for a while, and he's climbing this mountain, and we're like, well, the problem is he's talking to himself, so like. We need to give him somebody to talk to. So then we gave him Ira to talk to. And we were trying to figure out like what we we're going to do, like how, how we come about Ira. It's like, well, why doesn't, why doesn't Ira just look like something a kid that likes metal would draw on their English notebook, you know, because they're bored in class. It's like an eyeball with bat wings. Okay. That's pretty fucking yeah. metal. Like, throw yeah. that out there. You know? so, like, and that was like how we went about it. Oh, I love things. that. Like, yeah. how, how do you, how do you want to do this? And then uh, Walter's like, it was just an eyeball with bat wings. And like, like I sent the weird rough sketch my terrible art over to Walter and he's like, can I put a bowler hat on it? That's what Walter asked. Can I put a-? And we were like, sure. Why and not? Then Walter also gave him tendrils to kind of act as hands. So he could grab stuff. Really yeah, we didn't have that either. So but like, I mean, Walter- and, and if you look at Metal Shark Bro, it's laced with funny signs because I'm a huge Simpsons fan. Like, I like his Simpsons, the signage in the Simpsons is always hilarious. Yes. Always. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> so I wanted to have some of that in, in there too. So it's just you just kind of borrow and 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 just you know kind of ape shit that you see that you enjoy and kind of make it your own. And I think with it was and with Skeeters, I think we did that really well. Like, you know, like Kevin said earlier, it's like a like an old VHS movie that you find, or like you know, you'd see it on the late show. Like, what is this? Like Sven This is a movie, this is a comic for Sven Like Sven the horror host or Elvira. This is a movie that they yeah. would show. So Joe Bob Briggs, yeah. Monster Vision, staying yeah, up on USA. Like, this yep. is ex- that's exactly what we wanted this book to be, yeah. and that's exactly what it is. It's yeah, like I, I mean, be horror yeah. movie with with and 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 it's it it, it is it. and isn't that because what we tried to do too was like okay, like we're gonna do a horror book. Like how can we do that different than everybody else does a horror horror book or like a horror book based on horror movies? How do we do that differently? Well, let's let's have like all the people of color be the heroes. And then like all the people that die on the page, they're going to be white people. So let's do that. Cause that's going to be funnier. And it reverses all the like expectations of the genre. Like usually like uh, there's a joke in there. I think JJ makes about black people dying first in a horror movie. So like the reason why he makes that joke is because he's one of our main characters. So like he doesn't realize that, but it's more that like break the fourth wall. Like this is what happens in horror movies. So like, Let's take that and change it. Let's. How do we make that weird? You know, in our way, like right. the way that we make things weird. So that's that was one of the ideas we had when we were going in. Like, let's subvert all of those usual genre like tendencies that mm-hmm. were in movies um, previously. And now I will say, having seen horror movies, you know, made recently, that is getting better in in the genre. But it's also um, weird too, Kevin, because like, but you also have to hit those familiar beats that people go, oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. So it's like, I know, so I know it, where we are. Yeah. It's, it's a nice kind of balancing act. And I think, and I'm, I don't want to brag here, Jimmy, but I think we pulled it off really, really. And like, if you like, <laughs> if you like the first issue, you'll like the second issue because you know, the end of the first issue, there's a nice little cliffhanger, you know, and then the second issue, it just kind of ramps up and Builds the rest, <laughs> and the rest of the book is just like breakneck speed. Holy shit. We're, we're killing, we're killing Skeeters, but the it, but the Skeeters keep getting bigger and bigger and more intense, and 
and, mm-hmm. and kind of the, the stakes keep going up and up and up. And then eventually we get to the seafood festival because you gotta, cause it's on the first page, you know, where this thing's going to go. And then we get to the yeah. seafood festival and that's just, like I said, like a like gremlins. It's just, it's, yeah. it's just insane. And then, yeah. and then it kind of wraps up in the fourth issue and it's just, it's a lot of fun. Like it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, I really thought the first issue does a good job of kind of encapsulating that that premise and telling the audience like what it is you're going to get out of this and introducing the main characters. And I just yeah, I mean, fun is definitely the the word for it. And I just love how it felt familiar. It felt like something that I would have watched as a kid and stayed up late to check out. But it had a modern sensibility to it. I I really thought if there's a fine line to walk, you both did. And and you have a signature kind of sense of humor that I very much uh, appreciate. And, you know, I'm a fan of, so I, I loved it. I absolutely Thank loved you, it. Jimmy. Just, Thank yeah. you, sir. Yeah, we, I think we tried to like put those sense of humor moments in there. There's some things that the sheriff says that, that we found particularly funny. Um, and like, and I think it's on the first page. There's a line in there. She says that's really fucking funny. But like, but that's just to draw you in. Like, we're what that's what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to make you like these characters, draw you in, and like give you as much story of theirs as we possibly can. So that way, when when like the, stuff keeps happening, it, it builds. And it's the, cool and the, because yeah. on on the first page, you know exactly who this sheriff is. You can read her page and go, I know this person because hell. Maybe you are that person. You've lived in one town your whole life and you're just bored and you hate it. You know what I mean? Like you get exactly who she is right off the bat. So it's fun. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, we laid it all out and I think we did a really great job. Mad Cave did a great job. Kelly, I can't say it enough, is so talented and so good. And his sensibilities for horror are so wonderful. And I mean – it's it's a really great book and we're really excited about it. You should get it. It's a, go to madcave.com right now. You can order it. You can order it through previews. It's what October 23, 1855. It's right there on my little thingy. You can get it through <laughs> Lunar. You can get it anywhere, man. Just get the book. Enjoy the book. It's gonna, it's a lot of fun. You're gonna dig it. Yeah. I uh I agree. It has my um stamp of approval. I should Boom. I should put it on yes. the cover. I'll get a Jimmy's stamp, stamp of approval. Um, yes. Yeah. It sounds like something. That, Jimmy's wigs don't come off like in Goodfellas where he jumps in the <laughs> Jimmy's stamp of approval. There you go. Um, you any, should make I mean, a stamp. Like, why I don't should. you have a real stamp? A rubber stamp. And then you can actually, like, do that. Like, stamp it. And then that would be your picture for the for the, whatever. That, we actually... I, I mean, I I know it's a podcast and it's not a visual uh, medium, but Bo- Byron did have little like wooden coins made up that say "Cryptid Creator Corner," Boom, and then nice. on and on the back says like "Thank you from us." And um, Byron, oh wow, I, I that I we, I mean, we send I the folks that have been I on the podcast. A, so I can't think of a better podcast for us to appear on than a Cryptid Corner with a, this book about. <laughs> You know, giant oh, mosquitoes. You Lewis, know? Lewis yeah. would listen to it. Lewis, Lewis would listen to it. He would definitely listen yeah. to it. Lewis would be a big fan. Is anything else that before we uh, before we get going here, is there anything else uh, you fellas have coming out or working on that you want to tell the um, listeners about? I, I mean, right now we just kind of want to focus on Skeeters. Um, issue one is coming out in December. December. We want you to get on that, son, um, so we can make more books and we've got other things in the hopper. I think uh, Dust Pirates is coming out in January. Um, spot. Yeah, that's keen spots. That'll be cool. we got to talk to them to make sure to get all our ducks in a row there. But right now, we're just kind of focused on Skeeters, man. This is what we're nice. doing. Um, yeah, so Skeeters. It's, go to your comic shop. Go to, go to madcavestudios.com and get your copy and enjoy, enjoy good humor horror comics. Because this is a All horror right. comic. Like, don't sleep. It it's is. a horror comic. No, it but, is. And it's gross. Yeah. There's, I mean, I, we didn't talk enough about, I don't think, like, uh, some, Kelly's work in terms of how gross and gooey. I know, Bob, you said gooey <laughs> a lot. But it is, there, it is gross and gooey. It is a horror comic. Um, but, yeah, so I'm going to say if you, it, if you haven't read Metal Shark, bro, you need to do that uh, because I love it and I'm a huge fan. But first and foremost, there aren't a lot of books like Metal Shark Bro and like Skeeters and like the stuff that Bob and Kevin do on the market. I mean, it is an embarrassment of riches for anybody that likes comic books right now. I've said it a million times, but 
I love to would love to see more books that really have a sense of humor running through it that I feel like is a signature of the creative team. And Bob and Kevin do that so well. And they work with some amazing collaborators like they have with Kelly Williams and Chaz Pangburn and Mad Cave on this book. So without a doubt, Skeeters, number one, it's coming out December 6th. Let your local shop or wherever you get your comic books know that it's coming out. Because the only way we let folks know that this is the stuff we like and we should have people make more of this is if we order it and if we buy it and if we get on whatever social media we're on or if you tell your friend, like, hey, I just read this book, Skeeters, and it's uh, it's kind of gross, and it reminded me of, like, 80s creature features, and it was also funny, and you should check it out. You're going to love it. Um, but And, and Jimmy yeah, will do a Mogwai voice piece. And, and advertise it. He'll do, he'll do like I, I will. <laughs> I, I will. Stamp of approval. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll do my Mogwai voice. I'll, I'll, I'll be like, oh, Skeeters, Billy, Billy, Skeeters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That is perfect. All right. Um, Bob, Kevin, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us on. We appreciate it. For Comic Book Yeti's uh, Cryptic Creator Corner, I'm Jimmy Gasparro, and uh, thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptic Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now